Michigan Short Track Racing Authority is Horsepower Happening. Curtis Roberts, welcome to Horsepower Happening. The Northport, Florida driver, Danny Sams III, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Travis Stemler, welcome to Horsepower Happening. Steve Irwin, welcome into Horsepower Happenings, my friend. Director of Race Operations for the ASA Stars National Tour, Joe Ballas, welcome. Over 50 years of industry experience, from behind the wheel to behind the microphone. Here comes Stambaugh into turns three and four. Stambaugh to the lift. Stambaugh sideways, Greg Dolman wins. Yeah, guys, wholesale uh, right side tire changes. That that seems to be the decision. All down mode. Exclusive interviews every week. Hear from drivers, track owners, series promoters, and so much more. You know, after about eight hours of months in medical center, they uh, they were pretty adamant about me staying out of the car for quite a while. It'll be at least my first stab at driving a race car that I haven't prepared from end to end, that I'm not calling the shots on, all of that, all at once. Plus, local news, analysis, and opinions you didn't ask for. She is not going to have any excuses. That is some of the best equipment there at Anti Camp and Racing that money can buy. This points fund is massive. These races are massive. These are some of the most high-paying races in the country. From the north side towing of St. John's Studio, presented by CNT Services, here are Zach Heiser and Rich France. Good evening, race fans, and welcome into another edition of Horsepower Happenings. A lot to talk about. Two fantastic interviews lined up for you tonight. The first here's what's happening in a Motor City Minute. Michigan-based Lane Racing is now on the search for their next driver. They were one of the four to five committed teams with the All-Star Circuit of Champions in 2023. Their driver, Chris Windham, is no longer their driver. He signed with Premier Motorsports. That was announced today. Kyle Larson used a late race pass to secure his second Hangtown 100 victory Sunday at Placerville Speedway. Logan Seavey in the second spot, followed by Shane uh, Gullibick, Justin Grant, and World of Outlaws ace Carson Macedo. And finally, Cade Brown, not to be confused with country music star Kane Brown, don't get them mixed, Cade Brown grabbed another marquee win in the late model stock competition, this down at the, the South Carolina 400, the race that would never end on Saturday night. Those things and so much more happening in a Motor City Minute. Good evening. Welcome in. I'm Zach Heiser. Rich France joins me from across the way. And Rich, I think that anybody who's doing anything motorsports related this week, as we are uh, in broadcasting, does it in a little bit more of a somber tone. Uh, trailblazer for our industry. Ken Squire passed away uh over starting over the weekend and uh we knew that he was in bad health but just the fact that it's actually happened uh rich is a somber moment for anybody who's involved in this sport if you watch it if you listen to it if you podcast or if you announce he helped bring that to america back in the day uh with the idea of doing races on the radio and then full-length broadcasts on television uh ken squire i don't think people realize how much of his Again, trailblazer mindset helped bring our sport to, to the people in their house the way it is today. And that was the voice act that I heard growing up, right, through the through the 70s. And then, you know, of course, announced the first live Daytona 500. Um, that was never done before, you know. You always see the video with um, Air Force One landing in the background yeah. um, with Ronald Reagan. He came in for the first ever live NASCAR event. Uh, on on TV and um, yeah, it's a shame. Yeah, we knew he was in, you know, had been fighting health, fighting his health for several years. But uh, but that's who I grew up with. That uh, yeah, it was definitely a sad week in the motorsports industry. I'll tell you that. And by the way, uh, for those who didn't know, 
12 years of age. We thought that, you know, people like me who pick up a microphone at age 18 started young. Uh, he began his work at WDEV, uh, to a radio station that his dad owned, at 12 years old. And uh, that's kind of where, that's that's kind of the start of MRN, right? Uh, and that sort of ideal. And uh, from 1979 to 1997, lap-by-lap commentator for NASCAR uh, and uh, on TBS from 1983 to 1999, he also, I didn't know this, Rich, uh, according to an online search, he is the reason that we call the Daytona 500 the Great American Race. He coined that phrase uh, for the Daytona 500 back in 1982, so that's pretty cool. Unfortunately for you, you, you did, probably don't remember anything that he actually did. You get to just see the highlights and, and all, the, all yeah. the highlights of everything that he did because there are there are so many, it seemed like he was always on the mic for something historical happening. You know, uh, I don't remember him as a play-by-play commentator. What I remember Ken Squire for is, and it's it's rather unfortunate, but is eulogies. Um, when someone would pass away or something big, he was a great uh, commentator in the sense of, you know, like uh, there's something going on, there's some sort of documentary, and he would be the illustration underneath of that such a poet and an artist with his words. That's what I remember about Ken Squire is when ever something would happen where, you know, if it was a documentary or a eulogy or something like that, man, he just had a way with words that just painted such a unique picture. Yeah. And you kind of follow, I mean, you look, it, it's been two guys for the longest period. It was Ken Squire and then kind of Mike Joy, right? Right. Um, and, and those were the guys that we've listened to for a majority of our lifetimes. Uh, you know, announcing NASCAR. So yeah. yeah um, prayers for Ken Squire and his family. We knew he'd, yeah, he'd been, he'd been fighting his health for quite a long time and it was unfortunate last week. Well, uh, it was announced today in a kind of surprising fashion. The first race of the 2024 season is now on the schedule for many of our asphalt uh, template late model drivers and, and their families. Speed Fest 2024 unofficially announced today with the help of the ASA Southern Super Series and Racing America. Uh, this event goes back years and years, Rich, as a CRA-sanctioned event and then getting the Southern Super Series on board as well. JEG CRA All-Stars Tour still sanctioning the Pro Late Model event. ASA Southern Super Series and ASA CRA Super Series sanctioning the Super Late Model event. This will take place on January 20th, Saturday, January 20th. Speed Fest 2024 will take place down at Watermelon Capital Speedway, Chris Motorsports Park in Georgia, and we will not be there. <laughs> For the, hey, no, this is history-making, Zach. Yeah. For the first time since we started working with Champion Racing Association. One of us. One yeah. of us will not be at uh, this at this event or a champion racing association event. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, if that date sounds we have good reason, we have good reason. We're not playing hooky. Yeah. No, so if that, if... everybody listening, don't start thinking, Oh, there's They're slacking. On yeah. No, if you're uh, thinking, man, January 20th. Yes. That is the Michigan auto racing fan club, uh, awards banquet up here in Michigan. Of course, uh, one of these two things couldn't move one week, forward or backward uh they had to land right on top of each other but uh you know what we're honored to uh, get a chance to do what we're going to do at the auto racing fan club banquet so um i've already informed mr menlin that uh he and track enterprises adam mackey is going to have to do a little extra work uh on speed fest weekend because we're not going to be him. he can handle that's it, right. right adam adam will be able to handle it so that's no big deal but uh speed fest I- i'm excited about speed fest this year 
in the fact that ASA has now a season under their belt. Um, you know, last year there was okay, this is ASA Southern Super Series, probably nothing's really going to change. This isn't a Stars Tour event, but it is an ASA event. Um, I'm excited for this year. I think this year, and then with the JEGS Tour and the Pro Late Model Program, how that's kind of ramped up here over the last couple of months, this could be a really good speed fest. Yeah, I think so. I mean, unless Bubba Pollard tries to win three in a row, yeah. and then it may not be. <laughs> but, um, but no, I mean, even... Even last year when I was down there and, and Bubba Pollard put it in victory lane, you know, um, he, he did it by pit strategy and he got out front. Uh, he, he early pitted, had new tires on, got out front and told Corey Heim, catch me if you can. And, <laughs> yes, he did. And uh, that's pretty much the way it, Corey could, you know, there were like six restarts in the last 20 laps and Corey gave him everything he had and, you know, just, Bubba Pollard's experience is what won that race because I don't think Corey was going to move him or dump him or anything, but he could not get by him. And, and Bubba Pollard won his second in a row, and this year he's going for third in a row, which nobody has ever done. And you'll remember well, in the Jags Tour event, uh, Katie Hettinger was out in front of that race uh, for about the first 40 or so laps and then um, got involved in a little bit of an incident on a restart, put it in the in the wall. Uh, that car was never the same. Augie Grill goes by and really just walks the dog after that. I mean, Augie could not be touched and uh, won that race in dominating fashion and uh, kicked off the 2023 season with a big win uh, down at Speedfest. And if I remember correctly, that wasn't even in his own machine. That was in Justin South's number 43 right. that he was driving. Right. So, um, yeah, he made that car look good, didn't he? Yes, he did. So, Speedfest 2024, uh, we want you to be at the Michigan Auto Racing Fan Club Banquet. Maybe we'll have to see if we can get a Racing America stream somewhere on a big screen at the Fan Club Banquet uh, so that we can keep up with what's going on down there. Yeah, that'll be pretty cool. Well, I think they're, they're running in the afternoon, mid-late mid, mid late afternoon, because the Jags race is before it, I think, on the schedule. Oh, that's right. So, so um, or maybe we can go find a place to watch it. Do you think that there's a... <laughs> Is there a plane in the world fast enough to go from uh, Georgia to Michigan? <laughs> no, but we could try it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I have an idea. We would make two organizations very, very frustrated. So uh, maybe we probably shouldn't. No, but Zach, hey, real quick before we uh, – did you get to watch any of the uh, snowball preview practice? Oh, no, I did not. But holy smokes, that place was loaded down there, wasn't it? Where, where practice pays? Yeah, no, I did yeah. not get to see that. A big shout out to Terry Seneker. Yes, I didn't stutter. Terry Seneker, fastest in snowflake practice down there. Wow. For for the crate cars, for the pro late models. So big deal. Uh, Dustin Smith, the 33 machine, I, he's from the South, run, runs a lot of the ASA Southern Super Series. Yeah, we saw him he, at the All-American 400. Yep, yep. He was quickest for the super late models cool. on Saturday. Wow. Well, and I know they also crowned, I think this was high on your radar too, they crowned a Miss Snowball Derby uh, over the weekend as well. So preparations are, are rolling, man. Uh, that Snowball Derby, that's is that next week weekend? Yeah, that's yeah. next weekend. We have Thanksgiving this week, and then it's time. So, yeah, they, I think they get underway Wednesday or Thursday the following week, so it's right around the corner. Wow, uh, good stuff. Racing America, of course, you're home for the Snowball Derby if you can't make it down there to see it in person. And, Zach, we're going to bring our first guest tonight, and uh, on the phone lines now we have the gentleman. I met him back in March for the first time. Um, Scott Schultz decided the beginning of the season he, he was going to take some time off and reduce his duties and retire. 
uh, and this is the gentleman that replaced him, uh, brought him in. He is the general manager at Flat Rock and Toledo Speedways. Brandon Hamby, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Yeah, thanks, Rich, and, and thanks, Zach, for having me on to my very first podcast. Um, oh, all right. Been, uh, it feels like that March meeting at B-Dubs was forever ago. <laughs> I love that. Yes. Can I just say real quick? I love that we're yeah. the first podcast. Uh, now the rest, he's just going to take off. Uh, he's going. Everybody's going to hear how good he is, and, and the rest, he's going to be busy the rest of the off season doing this sort of stuff, Rich. Yep, and and it's kind of funny, Brandon. So we we're going to get right into it. So you walk in the door, and a um, little bit different than what you were used to. You went from dirt to pavement. Um, kind of give yourself a grade. How do you think twenty twenty three went? Well. Um... Overall, I don't want to say it was a, an amazing success, pat, pat myself on my back and give myself an A-plus, but, I mean, it, it went better than I was expecting just due to how fresh and new this whole transition was. Of, I mean, I started from scratch. I didn't know anybody up here. I've never been in a track management position. And then, of course, transitioning from dirt to asphalt, it was just, you know, to put myself in a situation where it was just, here you go. I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm happy with how the season went. It had to have helped a little bit. Um, a lot of times when there's new management, um, even a new promoter on the, on that high end of things, um, sometimes they like to bring their own people to have a little bit of a comfort level, right? Um, you had none of your own people, and but you were pretty fortunate. Everybody that you inherited um, – you inherited a pretty solid team from the from the tech barn to, um, you know, the, the race operations. You, you really had a lot of people you could lean on for that. Oh, 100%. I, I cannot be – I cannot express my gratitude enough to just say how great our staff is. Uh, it made my life uh, 10 times easier. And, you know, they actually were helping guide me through race days when – uh, you know, we normally do this or, you know, this is supposed to be done. And, you know, they, they were supportive. Um, half the time there was a joke involved with that support, but nevertheless, <laughs> it was there. Um, but yeah, I, I can't thank you. Well, one of them is rich, so I, I can't thank you guys enough for everything that you've done this year. You know, and, and I, I kind of want to get Rich's opinion on this too, but Brandon, I'll ask you first. You and I, I think are in an interesting, we're kind of riding in the same section of the bus there are not a lot of 20-something-year-olds coming in and, and taking over. Uh, there's not a lot of new guard happening in our sport right now. And, uh, you know, I was one of the few when I picked up a microphone at 18, and now, uh, you know, you're a fresh graduate from the University of Northwest Ohio, and you're filling, I mean, you, you perhaps had the job of filling some of the biggest shoes in the Midwest, uh, in Michigan, and aside from maybe those who took over for Ron Flynn at Crystal, um, with the, the history that Scott Schultz had built with Flat Rock and Toledo with Ron Drager's help. And um, I guess, did the gravity of that situation bother you at all? You talk about that meeting at B-Dubs. Were you, I mean, what, what, was, what was your mindset of what you were going to get ready to inherit? And how does the, your youth and this sport, how does that motivate you to do what you do? Well, um, so I didn't, grow up, you know, experiencing the full prosperity of the sport, but I saw enough to see where it was at its peak and to see that it did take a little bit of dip in performance. 
Um, I think that's the number one motivator. Um, I, I don't look at myself and think I'm only 23. Um, I, I really just look at the tasks ahead and, and conquer them one at a time, um, do the jobs to the best of my ability. So I, I don't really try to think of anything outside of that. I just, uh, I mean, Scott will still pop his head in, you know, once a week, see how I'm doing. If I have any questions, I ask him. And then obviously I'm still in constant communication with Ron Drager and, you know, he's helped guide me a lot too. So um, I, I can really thank those two a lot just for, well, one, expressing the the gravity of the situation because it's that those two were the two for the past 35 years. And, you know, I, I didn't know that coming in until, you know, after I got to know him. And then, uh, so yeah, it's, I try not to think about it. I just, because I feel like I would experience a dip in performance and then I would, you know, I, I don't want to get caught up in that when right. there's a million tasks in front of me to do. And Rich, this is where I'll bring you in that changing of the guard. Uh, and I know that you kind of have a right. Brandon's the general manager. He's kind of your boss. Uh, but I bring you into this discussion, Rich, because you don't see many 23 year olds stepping up to the plate to be the general manager of, uh, not just one racetrack, but two, right. It's a package deal. You get flat rock and Toledo. Um, what was kind of the discussion when, when everybody found out that Brandon was going to be taken over for Ron, obviously there's some shock involved when Ron announces he's going to retire or not Ron, when Scott announces he's going to retire. Um, but what was the thought? I mean, was there some excitement that there was some young blood coming in? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think the cool thing, the best thing was, was, you know, like Brandon mentioned the meeting at B, he got to meet everybody in a relaxed atmosphere, not under pressure the first night at the racetrack, trying to figure out who do, who does what he talked to everybody took time to say, now, what do you do? What do you do? And he, you know, he came over to me and Gary and we said, we will tell you what we do. <laughs> and, <laughs> Don't worry. And, we'll tell and, you. <laughs> no, yeah, and, and it didn't take him long to figure out what we do. So, um, no, it, that, that was cool. And then, you know, like he said, uh, with the whole team, I think that made it easier. He, he didn't get in there and say, I, I want to change this. I want to change this. He do. He was just like, you guys do what you do, and that leaves me to do what I have to do, and I don't have to worry about that. That's one of the first things he told me um, first night. I don't even want to mess with it. You, you guys do it. If you have any questions, get with me. But just you, everybody knows their job. Most everybody's been there many, many years, right? Well, so that was that was that was. I think that was important to the entire team. Yeah, Brandon, we we talk in private, and uh, we joke. And Rich, I think Rich coined this phrase that. You know, you're taking over for Scott Schultz, so it's literally like drinking from a fire hose every week, maybe even every day. Um, are you settled in yet, or are do you still wake up in the morning and go, "Holy smokes, uh, here we go! Put the five point harness on because uh, we got to get after it." What what is what is? And again, we call it the quote unquote off season, but uh, you know, we 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 all understand the backside of it. You're negotiating schedules. You're negotiating. Uh, you know, and when we say schedules, that's with tours, that's with other things going on in your area with these racetracks. And there's a lot of stuff going on. What is, what is the mental side of it right now for you? Have you had a chance to kind of settle in? Uh, 100%. I've been able to grow accustomed to the area. I've been able to grow accustomed to our partners, both sponsorship and sanctioning and touring series. So there's, there's also the the fact of when I started, 
it was early April and the season was right there. Yeah. Knocking on the door. (laughs) Yeah. So when I first started, it was just, there was tight deadlines every single week. And that kind of got me prepared because I, I really did jump right into the fire in the thick of it. So now when there's not a race every week and there's these extremely tight deadlines where you have to perform and you're putting in a bunch of hours throughout the week, you know, the schedule doesn't have to be released one week after the checkered flag flew at the ARCA race at Toledo. Yeah. Um, so I've been able to take a deep breath and even, even rounding out the season, I felt a lot better, um, especially because Scott had, hadn't shown up to a race since the end of June. So, you know, I really <laughs> no, got to be no, wait a minute. my own. Let me flow. qualify that for a second. You felt better because Scott wasn't there. Now that could be interpreted a couple different ways. I'm just teasing you, Brandon. Uh, but no, <laughs> yeah. to, to, right. We all know it's different when you don't have somebody looking over your shoulder. Not that Scott is that type of like a, you know, a helicopter, uh, you know, type of, you know, guy, but everybody who's worked with Scott Schultz knows there's a way Scott wants things done, and if it doesn't happen that way, he's going to let you know, and we're going to get fixed, and it's going to happen that way. Um, but yeah. to well, that, to, I, to I th- guess my my interpretation of that is so when Scott was still at the track, everybody was still going to him, and oh, Scott okay. was at the track. If a mistake was made, it was still on Scott. So I understand. Once he transitioned out of that, and it was all on me, that's when it was like if there was the aha, like eye opening moment was. Well, Scott's not going to be here anymore to take the blame and, <laughs> and to be the one that takes the bullet. So, you know, what was the moment? That, what that was what was the moment, Brandon? And, what was the moment, Brandon, that something happened and it was like, oh crap! Now I have to handle this. Do you remember? Was there a key moment? Rich, there, where's the there sheriff? Was. <laughs> <laughs> so I was I was walking out of the pits and um, there was an incident on track and I didn't see it. And one of our team owners was, you know, telling Ron that he didn't like that call. And then Ron being, you know, Ron, yep. he sees me walking over and he <laughs> just takes that as the perfect learning experience opportunity. <laughs> to just hey, Brandon, come here. Right to me. <laughs> yep. Hey, let me introduce you to Brandon Hamby, our new general manager. He'll be able to help you with this. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, that, what? That was it, and then after that, it was like, oh man, I, I have to pay attention to everything that I possibly can just to stay on my toes. I love and it. answer questions like that. And Brandon, you weren't able to a lot of the time, especially at the beginning. Um, I don't think because I would look around, you didn't get to watch a lot of the races, so you didn't, you couldn't say this happened or this happened or this happened because you were busy running around taking care of one of the many other thousand things that you have to do every night. Yeah, so there's, I mean, from the tech barn to the concession stands to the bathrooms to the front ticket office, it's it, very rarely are all of those like nothing's happening or it's it's a slow time frame for one of the, or all of those guys at the same time. So, you know, I, I'm always going to be there to help whenever a, a crisis pops up or, or something pops up. So I feel like I do run around the backside of the grandstands a lot. And, you know, I usually don't get to watch any on-track activity until the features start. So let me ask you now, you got a year under your belt. And 
I, we said we'd be real nice to you, but I, I'm going to ask you this just because I'm sure there's something. Of everything that you had to do, what was your favorite and your least favorite that you discovered of your duties? Um, so of all the duties, my favorite, well, yeah, I, I guess we'll start with the favorite. Um, I, I don't think I have one specific, but I think it's just the end of the night and, and you can attest to this, you know, especially if it's a successful night and there was no, you know, all crises are avoided just sitting around in the ticket office and just talking with the entire team. And I, I think that sense of pride and that's probably the coolest part. Um, least favorite is probably working in the bathrooms. It's uh, <laughs> I've become a 10 cent plumber is what I've been called. So um, that's, that's both sides of the story. That sounds, I, I can recall, I called Scott Schultz about something and uh, he said, Zach, I'm trying to fix the toilet. I'll call you back in 15 minutes. And I'm like, okay, uh, there you go. <laughs> Hands on management at Flat Rock in Toledo. Uh, can you yeah, talk? Well, I mean, that's, Go ahead. That, that, that's, I mean, even when I'm trying to schedule for next year, I'll, I'll, there will be people calling me, and I'm, I'll call you back. I'm elbow deep in a toilet right now. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to me about 2023 a little bit, and this might be one of those uh, questions that we uh, maybe should have given you an opportunity to prepare for, but I think that you know. Uh, you talked about watching racing go into a dip, and we all saw it, right? I think all year we would have liked to have seen crowds be a little bit better, but uh, Rich has kept us pretty well in tune on horsepower happenings, how things have went. Um, how was 2023 for Flat Rock and Toledo Speedways? Did you guys mark this down as a win, or uh, are you looking at things going, okay, where can we – I think everybody always looks at where can we improve, but uh, were there any major red flags for this season, I guess? Um, major red flags, I'd say no. Um, I think – so Ron is a very analytical and data-driven guy. So, you know, we go down to collecting data and, and how we perform on almost every aspect of the business. And so there's no major red flags. Oh my gosh, we can never do that again. And overall, it, the year was a success given the circumstances of it's so different than what the tracks are used to with this change and some of the ideas that we're already trying to implement from the start. Um, you know, we got an uptick in front gate ticket purchases and we got an uptick in overall car counts. So we, we moved the needle in the right direction. And to do that this year was, you know, probably our biggest success. One of the other things too, is uh, you mentioned things being different. I guess now we look to 2024, and I bring this question up because I know a little bit of some of the conversations that have been going on behind the scenes, and, and I just want to – I, I kind of want to hear it from you in your perspective. Um, I go back to that change in the, of the guard. Now you're coming to year two. Will we start to see you try to implement some things that Brandon Hamby thinks will work in 2024 uh, that maybe wouldn't have been tried in the past 35 years? 100%. I, I, I have enough confidence. And, and again, I, I know how Ron wants ideas proposed to him. And if, if it doesn't make sense business-wise, he's not going to be attracted to it. So um, 100%, there's going to be um, some new series that haven't raced at the tracks. And I, I think that's 
part of the excitement of of trying to make this my own and, and implement some change that that doesn't take away from the history by any means, but you know, kind of turns the the next chapter. You know, I had Brandon. I've had, if I've had one guy, I've had twenty people ask me, "What the heck is going on with the social media um, at Flat Rock and Toledo?" Because in the years past, um, it's been relatively non-existent um, or patchy. And we now have somebody that uh, you've kind of put in place and said, run with this stuff. And everybody notices what Liam's doing. 100%. I, Liam's dedication is beyond anything that, you know, he has to do. Um, he's still, you know, we hop on a call once a week just to, I mean, even strategize what we're doing now in a, in the off season when there's not a lot of content to be posting. You know, we, we just launched a new T-shirt today. And, you know, I, I can't thank Liam enough for, for his dedication and, and his overall skill set is unmatched. I've, you know, he's the same age as me and I've, I've seen a lot of other people that work with social media and graphics. You know, that's the side that I came from too. And, He's just on a totally different level, and he's he, he's directly correlated to um, especially the online success that we had this season. So I, I do want to give a shout-out to Liam. Uh, he's just very dedicated individual, and he's really helped us in, in that side where, um, yeah, like I said, I, I don't know where our pages were and our, our overall online presence was. You know, five years ago, but he's he's definitely helped turn the ship too. I want to tell I want to tell one small little story about Liam <clears throat> to uh, you know support this uh, little bit of a praise session here. Um, my first time at Toledo Speedway, excuse me, first time announcing at Toledo Speedway was of course with Gary during the ASA Stars National Tour event, the Glass City 200. And at some point during the race, uh, the internet that we were using for uh, for my computer quit working. And the little box in the booth started blinking, which is a universal bad sign uh, in the technology world. And poor Liam was up there, and I looked at him, and I was stressed out. I think it was just before driver intros or something. I, I don't know what was going on. And I said, Liam, the internet quit working. I don't know what to do about it. He goes, neither do I, but I'll try to fix it. <laughs> and I just thought that was yeah. great. He's like, I don't know what to do, but I'm going to try to get you internet back. And uh, I love that attitude. And, and Brandon, I think that that's kind of an embodiment of everybody's attitude at Flat Rock and Toledo. If there's a problem, we may not know what we're going to do, but we're going to find a solution. Oh, yeah. that's So if there's one thing, I mean, there's obviously a lot of things I've learned this year, but you never know what to expect when you show up on a race day. And to have that versatility amongst our entire staff, that, that still plays into what made this year such a success and then made my life a, a lot easier. But what I think was cool, Zach, we uh, just recently we had the banquet, right? And um, I, me and Gary were sitting together drinking our Pepsis, and we wanted to just double check with Brandon because we see the age group going down a little bit, right? And, and so me and Gary wanted to make sure if we were offered to come back because you got a 71-year-old and a 60-year-old. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm glad Brandon decided that he didn't want to put us both total on, on total Social Security quite yet. So we appreciate that. <laughs> I, I will always be a proponent of having two of the best in the business at, at, at these tracks. You guys are you know, the personalities that you know really connect the, the drivers and the on-track action to the fans. So it right. was a no-brainer. 
Brandon, we talked in the beginning about you coming from a dirt background and, and, you know, it's funny, most people may not remember this. Your stint in the dirt background came as, as a part of what is now a part of the Great Lakes Super Sprints family of organizations. And that's a touring series, obviously. And so your change didn't only go from dirt to asphalt, but it also went from traveling, you know, regional series to two racetracks, same most part, same drivers every week, same crews for the most part every week, same fans for the most part every week. Um, what was that like? I, I imagine there's got to be some things that are, I don't, I, I, I hesitate to use the word easier, uh, but that's the best word I can come up with right now is, is easier in that scenario. And then I also imagine it's probably like a family where there are some struggles when you got to look look at the same guy in the eye every single week and talk about the same thing. Uh, yes, that's going to be our restart rule. We're not going to change it this year. <laughs> Get over it. Um, what talk about some of those situations about working in your role at one specific place uh, all season long and, and the change that it maybe was. So it, it definitely made those conversations more real and and more honest because. You know, we're looking at not only the next race in the next month, we're looking years down the road at this point. So you, you have to make sure that you're not stepping on people's toes and, uh, you know, you really have to kindle those relationships and, and try to make everybody as happy as, as you can, even though it's impossible. Um, I, I'd say the other obvious difference between uh, traveling and, and going to one track would be just the proximity to one home base. So, you know, you connect with people on different levels within the community talking about Detroit and Toledo sports or, you know, just the local news instead of, because the other thing with the NRA was it was such a small group of people. We only had five people that were traveling to every single event. So, you know, even though there was less people there, it still feels like it's more of a, a local thing up here which it is brandon i told you we wouldn't beat you up on the schedule just because it's not released yet so we don't want to start digging too deep into it but and we know normally just for the fans that are listening to the show uh usually comes out around the holidays and well the holidays start this week so i'm gonna pick out a couple items just to anything on the schedule you can tease that maybe fans that that want to go to flat rock or toledo this year um that, that they might be interested outside of the regular house divisions. So, yeah, um, if we actually have an announcement coming as soon as tomorrow morning, and that will be in regards to the 500 sprint car tour Ooh. and the Midwest modified race at Toledo. So we will be having an article posted on the website and we will also have um, items posted on our social media outlets. And that's how we're going to roll out a lot of these announcements that we have locked in, confirmed, set in stone. And instead of waiting until our entire schedule is locked in, you know, we're going to slowly roll these events out one by one. And we're hoping that that generates some more excitement, too. So look forward to that tomorrow. Uh, those are my top. That's Those are the list of my top three. Rich knows this. Template late models, modifieds, 500 sprint car tour has quickly quickly jumped uh, up the ranks over the last couple of years on my list of payment divisions that I like to watch. That's going to be a knockout show. I'm just going to call it right now. Put that on your calendar. You got to be there. Um, I'd I love those two divisions. And Toledo Speedway, I think, is 
because we talk about this a lot, Rich, those high-banked, high-speed racetracks like Winchester and, and Bristol for Midwest Mods, how are the cars going to handle it? Um, Toledo they, is not that way. Uh, they put on a Toledo is going to be perfect Toledo. for Midwest yes. Mods, and we've seen the 500 Sprint Car Tour there. That's going to be a good show, Brandon. Yeah, we're, we're super excited to work with Bud Gray and Jared Owens from both the 500 Sprint Car Tour and Midwest Modifieds. They, they bring a lot of really high quality racers and, and machines and just high car counts. And they're, they're just great people to deal with. I mean, we, I talk to Jared Owens pretty frequently and again, he, he's kind of in a similar age bracket so we can relate to a lot of things. And but we're, we're really excited for the announcement tomorrow. And then more importantly, when they actually hit the track next year. Now we did notice the only reason we know this is because the Midwest Modifieds tour did release their schedule. Um, looks like they're, as of now, at least on the schedule, looks like they're not going to be at Flat Rock in 2024, but what's the, what's the feel on Champion Racing Association coming back after one year away? Um, so, uh, it's looking like they will be back, um, again, still, still working some things out on the business side, but it's still just, you know, the CRA is a great group to deal with, has a long tenure at flat rock and it was a it was definitely a void in the schedule last year so we're just ironing out some of those kinks and and again we'll we'll have to stay tuned on our website and our social media platforms for that announcement in the future i think one of the last things i have for you brandon is uh you know we've noticed and toledo is a special is a specials only racetrack right you can't run a weekly division at toledo unless it's on the quarter mile that, that racetrack's just too big and in 2024, guys aren't going to spend that kind of money to put an engine together that'll survive all season on that big racetrack. But, you know, I, I think there was maybe a little bit of concern uh, about the amount of time that Toledo spent dormant in 2023. Um, what can you what can you tease us about Toledo Speedway and the way it'll be utilized in 2024? So uh, this is a, a topic that I won't go too in-depth in, but I will definitely hint some exciting news. Um, one of them would be a potential shift with the USAC race that may or may not be the season opener. And again, that would help spread some of that schedule out. Sure. And then we may or may not be adding a new race weekend and it would not be a bus weekend. This would be a racing weekend. All right. That, well, I won't, I won't add my own spoilers. I shouldn't do that. And we got to be pretty, well, one, I guess I th I'm just going to go out there just because it's tradition. I'm assuming we're going to have the ASA Stars National Tour back for the Glass City 200. So that, that announcement has yet to be confirmed, but it's looking like it. Put that is put that on the business end. Put that on the business end list, right? Like, it, yeah, okay, it's it's pinned on the board. <laughs> somebody somebody yeah, just well, has to make something happen. <laughs> there's there's so much complexity with sanction agreements. Gosh, it's. Just, it's uh, that would probably uh, be more. that would probably be the one thing that I would not want to do. You said toilets. I think scheduling. <laughs> to heck with that. <laughs> that was a, a lot of people warned me about good luck with the schedule, and uh, I kind of brushed it off and brushed it off because we were in the middle of the season, and I was like, "Oh, these, the troubles we're having here, and and you know, the bad sides of this part. It's like that's this has to be the worst part." And then yeah, right. the schedule. Uh, it's there's so many pieces to this puzzle and it's, it's difficult to, you know, we don't want to rush it. 
especially with it being my first time setting a schedule. So it's, uh, but it is 100% such a challenge. Yeah. And the only reason I asked you that, because I had a perfect view for the Stars National Tour at the Glass City 200. I worked on Pitt Road uh, for the broadcast, and I just kept looking up in the grandstands and said, for an inaugural event, there's going to be a second one. Um, a lot of people showed up to that event, and I think maybe a little more than any of us thought would. Oh, yeah, for sure. That was uh, It was one of the other major risks and or tests that Ron put on, on the schedule for last year. And it, it surprised us all and it performed really well, especially just there was so much unknown with that event. We, we didn't know how the ASA was going to perform with their incarnation. And, you know, they, they kind of exceeded expectations and then that transferred or yeah, that transferred into us having an event that exceeded our expectations. And, and again, we're dealing with the track enterprises guys that we know very well and, you know, we're always happy to deal with so it's uh there's a lot there's more good than there is bad so we're we're really looking forward to that event again and, next year and by the way for anybody who missed it that was a hell of a race last year too it was a really entertaining event on the racetrack so brandon our time with you is coming to a close i'll finish with this uh give me one take from each side of the penny one thing that you are absolutely stellar uh, about what with what went well with 2023 that you're excited about coming back with with 2024 and one thing that you guys are uh hyper focused on doing better in 2024 for those who uh support flat rock and toledo speedways um so we again we were thrilled with the success of our our social performance and our online presence and that we always 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 pride ourselves with the efficiency of our shows um we don't have a lot of holdups and that that performance is still there and that's, you know, frankly due to the key people that we have. Um, the other side, I think we're wanting to continue to move the needle and perform better with overall fan experience, um, adding some things that's, you know, outside of racing that, you know, helps with some downtime and helps with overall interest. So uh, I guess I'll leave you on a little bit of a cliffhanger for that, but <laughs> we're looking to, to implement a lot of things that will help add to the atmosphere of the races. And with that, follow Flat Rock and Toledo Speedways on Facebook and Instagram and X or Twitter. And, uh, of course, check out their individual websites as well, uh, Flat Rock and Toledo Speedways. So Brandon Hamby, uh, General Manager of Flat Rock and Toledo Speedways and uh, now Flying Solo, General Manager of Flat Rock and Toledo Speedways. Sir, we appreciate you making time for us. Uh, really good stuff tonight. Thank you. Yeah, thank you guys for, for having me on the first podcast, as I said. Um, but... You two have a, a great Thanksgiving, and I'll see you next season. Well, it's always great to catch up with Brandon. Uh, first time on the show, though. I mean, I get yeah. to see him every week. And on the phone lines now, we get another gentleman that I get to see most every week. And it is that time of the month for Gary. Did you know? Gary Lindahl, welcome back to Horsepower Happenings. Good evening, you guys. How are you doing this evening? Good. We had our boss on the show. Uh, he did a real good job. Well, all righty then. That's good. Yeah, I just, you know, I was just uh, talking uh, with Zach there. I says, geez, I said, that's like old home week for me. You know, former track announcer at Butler and track, track announcer with you, Rich, at Flat Rock and Toledo. So that's kind of neat. You got to have them both on tonight. Hey, you had to do some work uh, the last couple of weeks. Kind of talk about I did. That. I know you always have a great time at the Michigan Motorsports Hall of Fame banquet. Oh, I do. I absolutely do. And, of course, that's when I get together with uh, – 
Tim Felber, who's a Glass City winner, and his wife, Roseanne. Uh, and uh, Gorilla Racing, I mean, you know the Silva boys, you know, from uh, back when. Uh, they, they're at our table. And actually, uh, uh, Rosebrook, I think, I think it was Tony Rosebrook, that sat at our table along with the new tech inspector for Watho. Ooh. And uh, his name escapes me right now. And actually, it was the first time I met Rex Wheeler. Oh, cool. And had a conversation with him, uh, you know. And He didn't hire you away, did he? No, but he certainly invited me to the racetrack, so that was a nice <laughs> thing of him. You know, so I was good with that. Good, I can breathe you know? then. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. But, you know, no, it, it went very well. And, there, you know, it's kind of neat because uh, we, we all know Jimmy McCune very well who went in. And it was nice. We spent some time with Jimmy on Saturday night. And then uh, uh, Tim Curry, who you would know. And actually, Rich, uh, some drivers probably before your time heading into uh, Fly Rock in Toledo, but it was good to see him uh, get in uh, with Wayne Bennett and Dick Mitchell, who were outstanding late model drivers way back in the day. So it was kind of nice to see them uh, be honored uh, in the Hall of Fame as well. This was a pretty cool Hall of Fame class for me because I, I know some of these guys, uh, actually a few of them that went in, You the ones you mentioned for sure, right, Tim Curry and all the stuff that he's done with, uh, I believe it's it's FLF, uh, if, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, finish line. Yeah, and uh, then, of course, you mentioned Jimmy McCune. Uh, uh, Gary, does it seem like the Hall of Fame inductees are getting younger? Uh, some, and then uh, some are, uh, you know, like I said, with Wayne Bennett and Dick Mitchell. But the interesting thing was, there was a gentleman there that was 94 years old, and he actually raced with Wayne Bennett and Dick Mitchell, which wow. is pretty cool. That's awesome. So that's kind of neat, you know, and there's just so much history in that room. It's just incredible. My last thing on Every this year. before we move on, it was probably a little bit of a bittersweet uh, ceremony for you, wasn't it, uh, given that uh, you're, you're now the, the last remaining guard, uh, if you will, of, of the origination of this organization. Well, basically, uh, the one, I mean, B Bill Stone, who was also in that original group, there was 13. Sort of like the 13 original colony. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, Bill, uh, Bill Stone, uh, who uh, was a good friend of mine, he was uh, the president of the Michigan Auto Racing Fan Club for a lot of years, and I emceed a lot of those uh, for Bill. He's uh, got dementia, and he doesn't really remember anything, you know, unfortunately. So, yeah, that's, tough. but yeah, I mean, you know, that's, that was something, you know, when you find that out because we lost Dick Lee and we lost Alan Brown and those were the two guys that were really instrumental, but it was definitely an eclectic group at first group at 13. Yeah. Wow. Wow. All right, Rich, what do you think? Uh, we got a little bit of homework to do before we get into our new quiz, I think. Yep, we sure do. So Gary, we're going to go back to the October quiz. I'm going to read the questions and you're going to give the answers. Okay. Sure, absolutely. Okay, we're going to start out with question number one from October. Name the super modified driver that you couldn't leave in the rain. Zach liked, no. this, one. Zach liked this one, by the way. Oh, I, Zach didn't groan at this one? <laughs> hey, I am a sucker for a good dad joke or pun, okay? So this one was, you know, I, I love it. You know, I throw a dad joke in once in a while. I love it. So anyway, the answer to this is Norm Rust. <laughs> Norm Rust was a great super modified driver, and he ran some sprints too. But uh, he drove the number nine, and mostly uh, with a group Snellenberg's, I believe it is, out of uh, Saginaw, Michigan. Mm. 
Good okay, quest, question number two. And this is kind of, uh, you got to kind of use both sides of your mind here. Uh, he was really good in the Burgundy Strohs sponsored number 122. Name him. And that would be Mickey Catlin. You're right, Gary. That's two in a row for you. <laughs> I'm really good at this. You know what? Yeah. We should Let's name this. For three. We... Do I get any gear? Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's got us in a corner Do there. Do I get any swag? <laughs> oh. Rich, I, I think he's got us. Rich. Uh, I think he's got us in a box. <laughs> All right, let me see if I can dump him. Let me see if I can get him with this question. Question number three: What was dubbed the chicken coop, and who drove it? It was probably the chicken coop was uh, one of the ugliest super modifieds that you'd ever want to see, <laughs> but it was very very fast. Sometimes it had a number twenty seven. Sometimes it had a number twenty six, and it was all in kind of. Sp- just ugly paint and everything. I mean, it was just ugly race car, but it was fast. And the driver was Jack Conley. All right. You don't win because you I gave too much information. Oh, on shoot. <laughs> now Rich is making up rules. <laughs> I didn't need this. I didn't, you know what color, color rims it had on the car? Yeah, uh, they were silver. Silver? Jeez. <laughs> you better go with the last question, Rich. And I think it had a white wall in the right front, okay? All right. Question number four, last one for October. Who was the first woman to win a late model feature at Spartan Speedway? Now Corrigan Oil Speedway. That would be Barb Berman. Wow. He, he got them all. Didn't, he even, didn't even hesitate. We didn't should, even flinch. We should name this quiz after him. Yeah, we should do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, with that in mind, why don't we do that? Let's move into... Yeah, with Gary... that in mind, why don't, we, why don't we do quiz number 31? 31 of Gary Lindahl's Did You Know. Gary, take it away. Okay, question number one. This is kind of a, a little bit on that dad joke type thing, too. I like it. Okay. You could say this late model driver can really plan it in the corners. That's a big hint. It's a big hint. Yes, it is. And I'll give yes, you another one. Is. If you have ever listened to Rich and I do a race, we argue about how to say properly say this name, don't we, Rich? Exactly. Yeah. 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 Oh, everybody does. Yeah. Uh huh. Because half the pe- half the guys screw it up. I <laughs> know. Uh, <laughs> Number two. You guys give too many hints. Number two. <laughs> <laughs> this late model driver was really good in the '98. Before Benny Parsons. How about I that? That's way before my time. Well, there you go. See, you never know. How can you say that? You and his beard are the same color. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but I, you know, I really would have thought that some of these would have been really gettable. You know what I mean? All right. Well, I think, okay, I, no. think, I think it makes people learn how to use Google. They figure it out. That's cheap. Well, there you go. Okay. Number three. Bill Tyler, first race with this number. There you go. I like a good Bill Tyler question. Okay. So oh, yeah. Uh, Bill is a good friend of mine. What era was this, Gary? Uh, that was uh, just after Ben-Hur. Oh, so it could be that anywhere. <laughs> I was going to say I got one through 99 to pick, but they ran a lot of three-digit numbers back then. <laughs> hey, I know. Unfortunately, they did. Oh, yes, geez. they did. Okay, uh, number four. 
This driver came out of retirement after 15 years and immediately won a feature. Can you imagine, about that? Rich, 15 years removed, and you get back behind the wheel and go right to victory lane? You know, yeah. Rich has actually asked people at the racetrack if he could get behind the wheel again. Do they, do they instantly load their stuff on the trailer? <laughs> they said, uh, no, they just tell him, Rich, you're doing a fine job announcing now, okay? <laughs> <laughs> that is a good no, way to handle that. No, I just, I just like, I mean, every once in a while I get, there's that part of my brain that says, you can still do this. Right. Because one of my last three races that I raced, I won. Yeah. So mm. that would be yeah, so cool did. to come out and just jump in a car and win one of the first three races I win, and then just get well, back out again and say, okay, I'm good. Well, see what happens, Zach, is Brian Norton jumped back into a street stock this year and uh, won a feature. And that kind of teased Rich a little I'm bit. I'm guessing there. you raced kinda, against Brian back in the day. Him. I won my I won my first ever feature against both of us started on the front row, and I won. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> not an easy task either with that guy. No, no, not no, an no, easy no, deal. No, no, no. Any, anybody, anybody. Uh... Huh. Well, Rich Rich hit a wrong button, and uh, he got so excited he hit a wrong button and dropped out. But He did. You he, started talking about him racing again. Yeah, and like he got that. all excited and, and uh, screwed it up. But, Gary, we'll wrap it up without Rich. That's okay. Uh, oh, he okay. found his way back in. Good job. You got so excited, Rich, about talking about racing again. You done cleaned yourself out of the chat. <laughs> I, I had a phone call come in on a ride for a car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, had to, I had to take it. Uh, it's getting deep, Gary. We better get out of here. He, I don't have my boots he probably, on. Uh, he probably hit the gas rather than the clutch, didn't he? Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Gary, sir, we All appreciate right. it. Uh, again, as hey, Gary. Have a good Thanksgiving, everybody. Yes, thank you. Have a good you. Thanksgiving from us. Yes. You too, Gary. Happy Thanksgiving. Take care, Gary. All righty. Time now to move into our next interview tonight, and uh, this is, uh, I, I love doing these interviews just because, Rich, you know the feeling. This place is right in my backyard. Uh, it's where I grew up, and, and I love checking in with this uh, with this group as much as I can. Uh, this guy makes his home in Coldwater, Michigan. He is the owner and promoter of Butler Motor Speedway. Tim Wilbur, welcome back to Horsepower Happenings. Thanks for having me on, guys. Well, I'm not even going to wait. I'm not going to beat around the bush. Uh, the main reason we called you tonight is because uh, you put Michigan on the map <laughs> for the 2024 season uh, with the announcement, thanks to uh, the help of TJ Slideways. Um, the High Limit Racing Sprint Car Series is coming to Butler Motor Speedway in 2024. We were all ecstatic last year when the All-Star Circuit of Champions came back, and we'll talk more about that event. But we know how big High Limit's going to be. We already know how much surrounds High Limit. Butler is a sprint car track, and it has been for 66, 67, 68 years, Tim. Um, was this number one priority on, on the schedule for 2024 to try to get this done? Well, you know, really, when the whole sprint car thing started going left and right and the limits and buying the All-Stars, wasn't really sure what would happen. Um, I say it all kind of worked out kind of, I say not quickly, but last week I talked to TJ a little bit. Um, I was on vacation in Cancun and kind of got a phone call. Um, but I think good people like TJ that's in your corner. Um, and then with Paul Smith, which is kind of the man behind the Mace Thompson classic, um, he kind of talked to the high limits. And, and I say, I don't want to say a few, but all, the, all of the good workers or employees with the All-Stars from last year, um, they were all in my corner, so they kind of made my end easy. 
<laughs> besides me accepting the thing. But uh, like once I committed to it, I got several texts from the gentlemen that all worked for the All-Stars last year that said, hey, you know, they all passed on good things, which makes it a lot easier easier for you to get the circuit to come there. You know, I got to talk about some of the things that I heard uh, that, that make this even more uh, of a big deal for you, Tim. You know, the All-Stars, for those who don't know, uh, basically, in not so many words, told Butler Motor Speedway to never, ever look for them to come back uh, back about uh, oh, eight, nine years ago. And through the work of you and your team, after you took ownership of Butler and the work that you guys did, enough drivers got back to the All-Stars and said, you should give them another shot. And when they announced that they were coming to Butler last year, I think everybody kind of wondered what it would be like. And when I was on that road that I've taken many times to come into Butler Motor Speedway, not once in my 28, almost 29 years of existence do I remember them, Tim, double parked on Clarendon Road back to the sign. And that's what you had for All-Star Night. You had more people there than I think I've seen on a fireworks night, which was always the moneymaker at Butler. What were what was your – I know you were stressed. You were still very hands-on for that event. But when you guys finally stopped and looked at what happened, uh, could could you even believe the turnout that you had for that event? No, I uh, I was hoping we'd have a firework turnout, not a double firework turnout. <laughs> Is that what it was? Um, I mean, do you have a number? I mean, that's – um, I think it's somewhere, I think my wife said something like maybe 40, 45, 4,600, somewhere in there. I believe it. <laughs> yeah. I believe it. Um, I, I, I tell, uh, I tell a lot of people this story. I remember standing in the infield, the all-star guys were putting up their banners and it was in the ballpark of two, three o'clock. And all of a sudden there's like a herd of them running under the tunnel. And I'm like, man, I wonder what's going on. Well, we closed the gate for an hour is for everyone to get ready and because the gates were open in the morning for people to put blankets down. And, like, at 2 or 3, like, people were just waiting to get in. Wow. And ever since she opened that gate at 2 or 3, whatever it was, like, it just they just kept coming and they never stopped. Like, on a normal Saturday night, I always say this, during the national anthem as the owner-promoter that writes the bills, you don't want to look in the grandstands at 730 because – they're not in their seats until eight o'clock. And I've, <laughs> right. I've realized that at Butler, like if, if you're thinking about making payroll, don't look until eight o'clock. Cause it's just, they, they just drag in a little bit late. I mean, I can go up there at eight o'clock and the people are still coming, but that night, man, they just kept coming. And I was like, wow, you know, I wanna, are they going to stop coming? <laughs> well, and, and it was standing room only. Uh, I had never seen those bleachers at capacity. And, and I, I do think they were at capacity um, for that show, but I want to talk about a pivotal moment. Because I had heard through the grapevine that you told the All-Stars you wanted one more year before you would sign the contract to bring them back, and they didn't want to wait. And so the other negotiation was, well, then it has to be in August or September. And the reason for that was for you and your team to get more time under your belt. And, Tim, I think you know where I'm going with this. I think it's two or three weeks prior to the All-Stars coming. You guys have arguably one of your most difficult nights uh, at the racetrack in terms of track prep and the way that the show went. Um, how important was it to get those nights out of the way to make sure that everything was, was 100% when the All-Stars came in? Yeah, that's exactly. Um, when Ross called me, um, I said, you know, I, I wanted this call to come, but I, I'd really like it to come in 12 more months. And he says, why is that? I go, oh, I don't know. I just don't know if I'm ready for that challenge yet. And he's like, well, 
I'm not just calling you because I want a track to come run at. Like several people have pumped you up and said, you're ready for it. You know, if you think you need another year, that's fine. He goes, but you don't need another year. And I said, well, okay. You know, I mean, I think once again, even if you go back to the first year, I mean, who all went to him? Yeah. I don't know all them, but I know Joey Saldana talked very highly of the track, you know, which is always nice. And, you know, I definitely had a bunch of drivers in my corner. He's pulling his ears saying, let's go back there. Tim, I, you know, it's only been a week or two old, you know, since the news broke with high limit um, purchasing the all-star circuit of champions and every, it kind of raised everybody's, you know, red flags and said, what's going to happen. And I think we're starting to see it and it's going to start trickling out more throughout the off season. They're probably going to take the, the top shows from the all-stars like the Mace Thomas classic, like some of the stuff at uh, Attica raceway park and integrate those into the schedule. And the rest of the schedule for the all-stars is going to pretty much be gone. Wouldn't you think? Yeah, I believe so. I think they're kind of, from what I've gathered, um, taking the top ones off the tier, cherry picking slash, however you want to word it. But I think it's pretty much, they're going to take the big shows and, and then the normal little ones can be gone is what I'm gathering. Well, Tim, uh, let's talk about the rest of this uh, 2023 for you, kind of building up to this, because All-Stars was obviously the highlight, I think, um, but you guys had other really great shows. You you had, uh, I, I can't even name them off the top of my head, because it seemed like every week that I went there that I didn't have something going on, uh, you guys were putting on a really awesome program. Just kind of recap it for me, uh, the 2023 from your seat, from the driver's seat, how things went for you. Yeah. Um, I think our good part, um, at the end of the day, when you might look at your, at the end of the year standings, yeah, we each class, you might only have two or three guys that ran, I'm going to say all 18 shows, so to speak. But, um, I think our sprint cars are really good for, I'm going to say we might've had an average of 16 or 17, maybe a little bit more of cars each night. But I, I think we had a different flavor of, eight or 10 drivers every night. Like these would come to for two weeks or one week and then they're gone. And then somebody else would always fill their, fill their void. And I'm like, well, I'm good with that. You know I mean? It's, it's good as long as they keep coming. But that was, uh, that I say that's always a nerve wracking. Like who's going to show up. I kind of tell the drivers each week in the driver's meeting, you know, I always start off with thanks for coming. You don't have to come to this race that racetrack and they all choose to, and, and that's a good feeling that when you look in the pits, if you've got 80 or 90 cars or a hundred that they choose to come to your track, they don't have to, there's other dirt tracks they could travel to or however. Um, I, I think my biggest goal is at the end of each night. Um, one of my buddies told me this the first year, he's like, you can't have good heat races and good features. <laughs> and, and in my eyes, I'm like, what do you mean you can't? Every race should be good. And he's like, you, you've got to sometimes get through the heat races and then you set yourself up for a good feature. Um, and, and I think I try to strive that to a lot of the, the fans if I talk to him because he's kind of really right. If you go to some races sometimes, like if your heat races are too good, I'm like, well, that's not good because now I got to make that even better for the feature, you know. Um, but our modifieds, I think we had several good features with them. I mean, I, I think all four classes really, at the end of the night, my goal is to have a good feature and I guess the crowd to get their money's worth. Um, and, I, and I think we did that for a strong, good portion if it's 80% of the features all year, like they were a good show. And that's really the ultimate goal is I just don't want to see a fall of the leader and, and it be over with. But um, th that, that's the ultimate goal is to put on good features. 
and the people that pay their tickets get to see a good show. Well, and I can attest to the raciness uh, of, of that racetrack. This is the one thing I was going to say about your sprint cars. It took until late August, Rich, before we got a repeat winner at Butler uh, in the sprint car division. I mean, that division was it was unpredictable. You never knew who was going to go to victory lane. Yeah, and I, th- I think, Tim, one of the big things with that, and it probably, and from what I saw a little bit with the modifieds as well, when guys that don't normally run there have a night off, they're, and they're pretty good in Indiana, Ohio, Michigan, they're coming to your racetrack on a night off to run, and I think that means a lot. Yeah, definitely, and I think it's, it, they're all giving me a, so to speak, giving me a second chance from the past, which is which is good because before, if, if you race – two hours away down south or up north and it rained out, you're like, well, we have nowhere else to go. And now you at least got that chance to get those cars to come there. It gives them a, another place to go. Yeah, they might not come there weekly because it's too far to drive, but it still gives them that they have a place to go, which is good to see. So we put you out there on the line uh, last year at when we talked to you after your first full season. Um, so let's, let's do some grades here with Butler Motor Speedway. Uh, best thing and – what do you still got to work on? Oh, he did this last year when we asked him this question too. Yeah. <laughs> you could at least text me today and gave me those questions. Well, that, see, and Brent, uh, that Brent, would not be that would not be fair, Tim. <laughs> no, that would not. You, you know, I think the best thing is is um, it, it's kind of. I'm gonna. This is gonna be a big answer. That a. I'm gonna put everybody involved here. If it's all the drivers that either a came back to Butler or have stayed at Butler that we have a, a good group of cars that come there a night B um, Butler's always had a good loyalty of fans. Um, and I think we gained, we, we kept the fans that they had before me and we gained some more fans, which is always nice. Um, and then I always kind of say this, like we just had our banquet this weekend and it's really tough because you feel bad wearing my shoes, but it's really hard for me to thank one person and start trying to think of all the ones that got Butler to where they are, because obviously it's not just me. It's not my wife. It's not my two daughters. You know, it's not my parents. It's, you know, I I don't even want to say it's 40 or 50 people. I mean, there's just, there's so many people that are always willing that help me do so many jobs around there. Um, It's, you know, that's what's made this, I say a racing family, um, which is, which is all, it's awfully nice to see that, I say all of us have made this place grow to what it is. It's not one person. I mean, I might be behind it some, but it's still just a lot of people have helped Butler to get where they are. And I guess uh, that the second half of the question is, what is one thing that you guys look at your radar, right, Rich, and you guys, you still need to work on and keep improving? Yeah. Um, Well, it's kind of like I told the guys in the banquet this weekend. Um, we're, We're working on the lighting at Butler, which I think has always been a big issue. Um, and obviously when you come in right off the bat, you know, you can't fix everything. And that's what I tell the guys that race there weekly or every other week. Like, you know, I, I can't fix every problem the first year, or even the second year, or third year, you know, but, um, the lighting, obviously we're working on trying to get something done before spring on those. By the way, that place looked um, as good as it ever has when that Mace Tomic classic went off. Uh, I saw those lights, those uh, portable lights on the backstretch and I thought, Holy smokes, she's dressed up tonight. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, those things made a big difference, those portable lights. And that's when you, we knew we needed to do lights, so um, obviously we're going to work on them. And I think we just kind of keep purchasing little things here and there just to, to be able to work and groom the track. 
Um, and that's really where we need to improve is just keep buying stuff to work the track. Cause sometimes you might be using not the right piece, but it's the piece you have and we're making it work where we need to buy a couple of correct attachments for the tractors to be able to use during the week to get the track ready for Saturday. You know, the track surface, I think, is always the thing that people talk about the most at any dirt track. Tri-City Merritt, they're no exception to the rule. Uh, you know, they say that that Thunder or that uh, Tri-City is always too dry slick or that Merritt can get choppy. And uh, Butler's no exception, right? People talk about uh, whether it's uh, the, the roughness or if there's stones or, you know, common things that everybody has to deal with. But for some reason, it's amplified down at Butler, the amount of people that talk about it. Uh, what was it, two months ago, I think I saw a picture of, of a dump truck on the property over there uh, on Clarendon Road. So uh, what what's the status? So, you know, last year you took a big swing at it by getting that inside lane back to where it was back in the 90s when it had the inside wall around it. That, that was kind of the big project was to get that geographically correct. Uh, what are you doing with the surface this off season? Yeah, we're putting down a little bit of dirt. Um and you're totally right. It's, it's trying to find that happy medium of, I say, a promoter's nightmare of making the bottom and the top work. And some nights and it's, it's very easy to make the top too fast. Um, and we have the, the, the two water trucks with the flotation tires. You know, if you're not careful, you can just, so to speak, over water a track at the end of the week, which if you're not careful, if you overload the top, you, you end up with just a dominant top top track, which which makes it for a bad night of racing. Um, it's just, it's tough to get that top and bottom working. Um, and that's kind of what we're working on a little bit is just trying to get the bottom. I don't want to say a little better, which then you can always make the top faster. You got to make the bottom a little better. Um, and, and that's our other downfall is just working on a little bit of the drainage. Um, I always say this. I mean, we had some bad nights. Track was rough here or there. And nine chance out of 10, if our track ended up rough, it's always in three and four because we're about five feet lower in three and four than we are one and two. So if we get a late week rain, three and four don't look pretty. It's kind of like Butler Pond. Yeah, yeah, that drain in turn three is is infamous for sure. Uh, let's talk about some of the other things too. You, you know, we talk about sprint cars because that's your thing. And you can tell, and we've talked about it too, that, you know, yeah, you, you understand that sprint cars have to be there. That's just business. Um, are you a sprint car guy yet? <laughs> or are they still just a part of business? No, I, uh, I mean, I'm definitely, I mean, I guess, I mean, as a kid, I think anybody that's a racing at a young age and moving up, you know, when you go over there, if you're eight to 10 to 16 to 20, you're like, I want to drive a sprint car. You know, everybody wants to drive a sprint car and, you know, I always kept my fenders on, but, uh, no, I'm definitely <laughs> a sprint car guy. I mean, uh, I, as I say, I mean, it's kind of like my ultimate goal at the end of the night to have a good feature. I'll, I'll watch anything on on TV if it's racing. You know, you just I'm not I'm not partial. I'll, I'll watch all of them, and uh, obviously it's a business move, which I'm just happy we have a good sprint car field because that's what everybody obviously over my couple interviews with you like. Oh, you're gonna broom them? No, I want to keep them and. And we've got a good sprint car field. That's yeah. definitely nice. Yeah, and then we bring that up because every year somebody brings up the conversation about late models, and uh, sprint cars are your bread and butter, man. I don't think they're going anywhere anytime soon, Rich. Yeah, I was just going to add, you know, Tim, I, I'm the pavement guy who's been adopted into your world, right? And so um, I'm kind of a late model modified fan. That's where I've decided that I like, right? So tell me that the high limit is not going to replace the Summer Nationals Hell Tour because I love me some late models. 
Oh no, no, no. We got plans. We don't have dates for that yet, but no, definitely we'll run the we'll run the summer nationals again. Definitely, uh, I don't have no no plans of getting rid of them anytime. Uh, that's always a good show to to have come there. The late models and the mods, you know. Yeah, my my crowd gets to see the mods every night, but they get to see the late models one time a year, and a lot of people like seeing them. Well, Tim, I want to do what we just kind of did. Can you tease us any more of that 2024 schedule? Obviously, high limit. I think is the cherry on top. Summer Nationals is the whipped cream, but what is that ice cream that's you know your go-to every week? Are we going to be seeing our same four divisions every week? Yep, we're pretty much going to see the same four divisions. Um, you know, we'll uh, we'll definitely have Barry come back with the GLSS. Um, you know, we're going to run his Lightnings. We'll run his non-wings. Um, I mean, pretty much our same four division rules-wise, they're all pretty close. Everything's the same. Um, I guess just kind of alter it and put them in the schedule and mix them up and around. And uh, obviously, <laughs> like last year, I think the night, the night before, the week before the All-Stars, we had 360s coming and no 410s. And I'm like, then everyone started hitting me up. They wanted to run the week before. So we did some changing. Definitely, I won't do that this year. I'll make sure the 410s run the week before um, the high limit comes, which that is my one thing where I don't, I don't get my full season to prep the trek. This this year, I think we got like three or four weeks, and then the high limit will be there. Oh, what are you? How are you feeling about that? I didn't I didn't really look that close at it. Uh, I guess I that's my bad for not reading all of uh, Slideways' uh, release there. So, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think um, I, I mean I feel a lot more comfortable this year than obviously what we did last year. Um, just I mean, I we did pick up the other a second flotation truck last winter you know, which definitely helps out during the week to be able to do stuff. So uh, I, I think we'll be okay. I mean, um, obviously, we just hope we can get open house in the first month of racing and before they come because, obviously, we want to get as many laps on the track we can before they come there. Pray for pray for a warmer winter like they're calling for, right, Tim? <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Well, Tim, man, I love this. Uh, as, as a guy who grew up at that racetrack, I just think it's awesome uh, to see what, what you and your team have been able to do and – one of my last questions is we've talked a lot about the guys who have been in your corner, national race car drivers, national race teams, and, and national officials who have went to bat for you. And I just kind of want to get to the personal side of it for you and the work that you guys have put in. What, what is that? How does that sit with you to hear all of those things come back to you that, hey, this guy was up to the plate for you. This guy was stepped up to the plate for you. Uh, to make sure that you guys get there. I'm sure it comes with a level of stress because now you need to perform uh, for those people's word, uh, but the other side of the coin. Yeah, no, it definitely, um, and, and sometimes you're, I don't want to say you're blindsided, you know, like, yeah, you might talk to some drivers, you know, I mean, I guess I'm going to use Joey again. Like, I think the first year when he came there and ran a few times with his boy Reese, and then they went to Eldora, and obviously he was in my corner, and they mentioned that, which once that happens, my phone went about 15 times ding and people were texting <laughs> me, you know, but uh, yeah, you know, I mean, I guess as a young kid watching Joey run with the outlaws, you know, like, I guess you never would think somebody like him 20 years later is going to be in your corner, you know, taking your side, you know, but uh, it, it, it definitely means a lot because, you know, I mean, truthfully, good drivers, good crews, good owners, I mean, they, they could go to the high limits or the all-stars like last year and say, we're not running that place. It's still bad. Or, you know, if they don't like it. And at the end of the day, the, the sanctions wouldn't come there, you know I mean? Cause obviously I say the drivers and owners have a big part of where we're going to race. You know, if they say we're not going there, 
the organizations probably wouldn't go there. So, I mean, it's definitely, I guess you kind of don't think about it until you start getting those texts. just like Sunday morning when TJ announced that, you know, and then we did it at the banquet, you know, like I said yesterday, a few of the all-star officials text me, you know, like, Hey, we had a good time last year. Track was good. I'm like, Oh, you know, you, you kind of get a little blindsided. You don't know who's all at bat for you. And that's probably one downfall because, you know, I could walk by, let's just take you for an example. I could walk by you and not even, so to speak, thank you. Cause I didn't, I don't know who went all to bat for me. Right. It's just super nice for all the ones that did because all of us at Butler really appreciate it. Well, Tim, man, it's always a pleasure to get a chance to talk with you, and we're looking forward to seeing the rest of that 2024 schedule. I know it's going to be uh, great, and we're already excited. Obviously, high limit early in the season. Summer Nationals coming in in the middle, and uh, as you mentioned, the Great Lakes Super Sprints sprinkled in there as well with their other stuff, and a great 4-in-1 program every week. It's going to be awesome. So, Tim, man, we appreciate it. Thanks for making time for us. Hey, anytime, guys. I appreciate it, and uh, we'll see you in spring throwing dirt. And that's going to do it for uh, another episode of Horsepower Happenings. I want to say thanks to Brandon Hamby, Tim Wilbur, and Gary Lindahl for uh, making time to chat with us tonight. And, and, Rich, the upcoming calendar is a little bare right now only because uh, what's upcoming is a whole, whole lot of food, a whole lot of misery, uh, larger pants, smaller shirts, and um, after that, then we can talk about Snowball Derby, and then we can talk about St. Louis, and then we're going to be talking about Chili Bowl. Uh, we're going to be talking about Fort Wayne Rumble. We're going to be talking about CRA Awards Banquet, Speed Fest 2024, Michigan Auto Racing Fan Club, uh, and then Speed Weeks is here, and season number six of Horsepower Happenings. Yep. <laughs> a- a- yeah, exactly. Right? A- and I just saw today, tickets are on sale for Gateway. Uh, you can buy them. So we'll give you, here's your two-and-a-half-week notice. If you want to come hang out with Zach and I, get your go online, get your tickets, get them ahead of time so they're sitting there waiting for you, and come out and hang out with Zach and I for three days. And by the way, uh, Wednesday of that week is my birthday. I wear a size Coors Light, uh, in case anybody's curious. So <laughs> I think you're going to remind me that once we get to St. Louis, aren't you? I, I may remind you of that a couple of times, yes. <laughs> So we're looking forward to that. Uh, this uh, another reminder. Thanks to CNT Services, uh, we will be covering uh, anybody from our region who's there. Uh, thanks to CNT Services, of course, we'll have some uh, more exclusive stuff with some of his drivers because he's uh, you know helping us out down there. But um, look for that right on our social media channels. That's going to be a lot of fun that week as we uh, cover what's happening at St. Louis Dome. So looking forward to doing that. Uh, but. Happy Thanksgiving, uh, Rich. Happy Thanksgiving to you. I know it's a, a big week, and uh, we're gonna get fat on Thursday and come back and do this again on Monday. All right. This this is one year, one week a year. I wish I was as big as you. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think you're gonna. Because I think you're gonna make out better than I am. I uh, yeah. So I should probably start fasting tomorrow. You're right. Uh, I should, yeah. I, I just. Start, uh, start I, I just. Ready. I don't know. I can't eat. Uh, you see, you're still young, and yeah. Yeah, I, I'm old, and I don't require as much nourishment anymore. Ham or turkey? Both. Yeah, I prefer. What do you prefer? Uh, turkey. Okay, I'm team ham. So there you go. There's our turkey. Uh... Turkey with sausage stuffing. Oh, um, sausage stuffing. Yes. Okay. Yes, sausage stuffing. My mom makes the best. Give me ham with uh, with candied yams and some corn casserole, and I am set. Uh, that's all I'm after. Uh, nope, you can have the you can have the cranberries, you can have every, every, all that other stuff you can have. 
just give me a couple of nice size home baked biscuits <laughs> and some gravy and some <laughs> and so, some sausage stuffing and some turkey and just leave me alone in the corner. I'm fine. Well, now that we're salivating, uh, put a cap on it. <laughs> That's going to do it for another episode of Horsepower Happenings. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Happy Thanksgiving. Be safe. Have fun. And uh, we will talk to you same time, same place next week right here with another new edition of Horsepower Happenings. You've been listening to Horsepower Happenings. The views and opinions expressed in tonight's show may not directly reflect that of Horsepower Happenings. The contents of this program may not be reproduced, retransmitted, or disseminated without the express written consent of Horsepower Happenings. Follow Horsepower Happenings on Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, and iTunes to keep up on what's happening. 